Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, up and running here on a first Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo, the great Z, and betwixt, in my instance, oh, yes. Z, and a fabulous rookie running back, Jerome Ford. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How y'all doing? We're doing well, man. First of all, this is the first time we've got a chance to talk to one another. Welcome to the Browns. Congratulations on uh, getting drafted. What was that like? Hold on. Hold on. What? Right. My man's in here in a Bearcat hoodie. He is in a Bearcat hoodie. A beautiful hoodie. Which Yours my guess is a beautiful is you didn't, hoodie, too. That, that was, of course, you played at Cincinnati. Yeah, last year. I am here in a Notre Dame hoodie Indeed. that was given to me tangentially because of someone you probably knew at Cincinnati and Marcus Freeman. I did know Coach Freeman. That was my guy at Ohio State. Much so one better of my, start. So one of my buddies was uh, is now on the staff, James Laurinaitis. He's on that staff. And so I've known Coach Fick for 15 years. Um, and so this is hoodie on hoodie crime here. Yeah, they gave you a terrible hoodie. You think? I think yeah. it's a beaut. That green is that gorgeous, green. isn't yeah. it? It's losers. <laughs> valid. Man. They did win. Man. They did they win. They did win. Yes. That's valid. In the, in the, in the, you know, they used to always tease that Marcus was, uh, and Luke and Marcus were very, very close, obviously, and you know that, but, uh, they used to always just tease that Marcus was his son. Like his, his 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 other son was like the way that that was. Dad dad got son. Nah, it was. Nah. I felt like <laughs> it was, fun. was real close friends. They were the closest. Yeah, very very much. So that jumped out to me as we were starting. And now yeah, no, welcome much welcome, start. welcome to the Browns. Thank you. I'd be Good careful though talking telling that to JOK. We'll know we got some Notre Dame guys on the roster. Here. He did win. Though. He did. They, they played did. and they won they the did. game. That's so right. that's to the victors go the spoils. Yes, absolutely. So, how's this been, man? It's been great. It's actually been surprising, honestly. Um, you know, coming from Cincinnati, everybody's Cincinnati fans, so kind of talk a lot of trash about Cleveland in general. Well, you know the Bengals are 0-4 against the Browns the last two years. So. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about that the other yeah. day. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, we, we, we're clearly better. We beat y'all four times. That's right. Joe Burrow's never beaten the Browns. <laughs> just, that's just a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's He's right. good, though, real good. <laughs> He's great. Really yeah. good. Yeah. It's big very, fans. That's yeah. very, very good. But he isn't so, good enough to beat the Browns. Yet. That's true. So you've been in town how long now? How? I think like two, three weeks. Two, three weeks. Okay. Um, what has it been like getting acclimated to what it means to be a pro and being in the building and everything that comes with it? It's work. It's like something you got to do every day, even when you're not here. So it's been a lot of work. It's 24-7. Yeah. You're going into a running back room that obviously there's a ton of talent in it. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, your coach Stump Mitchell, who played this game at a high level and is one of the coolest guys around. What's it like been going into that kind of a room? And I know you haven't been necessarily around the veterans a ton yet, but I saw Kareem here today, so I don't know if you guys got a chance to talk. What's it been like kind of going into a room like that? Uh, I'm honestly excited to be able to learn behind two, good, three good dudes like that. Um, coach Stump, he's been great. You know, he just pretty much tell me to come in and attack it like I'm the guy and uh to pretty much when they come when the vets come in to just sit behind them and learn behind them and just you know figure out what it means to be a pro what um when you when you think about they're in there you think about the room you're in you think about the pros let's go back to what you have there and let's go back through your journey uh Alabama to Cincinnati 
Um, in, in terms of what Coach Fick and the magic you guys created last year, and I've, I've known a lot of guys who played for Luke, and, and most people just absolutely love their time with him, and they love how straightforward and honest he is with his players. Um, what did his style do to help you prepare for the moment you're in now? Uh, it gave me a little bit more freedom. So, like, uh, you know, it wasn't as structured as Alabama or strict as Alabama. As Alabama. He kind of gave us the freedom to be young men, you know, and just, you know, kind of do what we want to do and make mistakes. And uh, I feel like that pretty much set me up for here, having the time off, you know, being paid and that kind of stuff. Uh, just helped me carry myself off the field. How did you guys – well, you were in the middle of that run last year doing – that's unpre- no one done it. There's no precedent for what you guys did last year at Cincinnati. Uh, when you guys were in the middle of that run, were you aware of what was happening and how special it was? Uh, we were, but we were trying to take it one game at a time. Sure. Like, that was our thing, just take it one game at a time. That'll and fit in well here, by the way. That's yeah. what Kevin Stefanski says. <laughs> yes. All right, you know, and just it, whatever happens at the end of the season, you know, just be prepared for it. I honestly think the styles are very similar. I really do. Uh, People, they're two very, very different people. Sure. But in terms of the way that the things are kind of handled, I think this Luke's situation, the way when I was around him when he was at Ohio State, and then what I see from from Coach Stefanski now is is a very matter of fact. This is how things are done. I see a lot of parallels. Right. I, I think it's pretty similar. I was just talking to my running back coach about that the other day. Like they both just chill, down to earth people. Um, you run into them in the hallway, like "What's up?" Shoot you a text here and there. You just walk into the office, doors open. So pretty much the same as yeah yeah so coach is doing something this year Bo, that he has not done in the previous two years and i think covid was a big reason for it and i just got a chance to see this mice for myself uh last night we did an event and, and i did a chalk talk with coach and uh and ab and some folks he's got an office now his office as you and i know is up here in the back corner he now yeah. has an office underneath right outside the team meeting room that so that whenever the players are in the building he's in that office clear glass so the door is always open as, as jerome said so that he can be around the guys there and always be able to be reached like easily that. so that he can have that time and be able to talk to the guys like like you said which i think is a pretty cool thing that's one of the things he said you know too many times last year players would say i didn't even know where your office was and he's like well i guess it's you can't have an open door people can't even know where the door is and so he said he put himself right down there right in the mix where all the players can see him and they can have those kind of discussions whenever. He literally open door, come on in, let's hang out, watch tape, talk about football, and and get it going. So that's cool there. I wanted to ask you this because you know you look at, at your journey, and Bo brought it up. Start Alabama, go in the transfer portal, go end up going to Cincinnati. But last year was the first year you really got a chance to be the guy, probably since you were in high school. Right. And if you think about it, you know last year two hundred fourteen carries, thirteen hundred nineteen yards. You set the the school record, nineteen rushing touchdowns. But prior to that, you basically had 100 carries in your three years prior to that. So you don't have a lot of tread on your tires, per se. You were not a guy that was overworked in college coming here. Do you feel like you still have a lot of room to grow? Did you learn a lot in a season where you finally got to get the 200 carries? Uh, yes, sir, definitely. Um, I feel like it's always room to grow. And with my first season, like you said, being a guy, I did learn a lot. Um, <clears throat> as far as the game, like my coach, he would you know hammer the details day in and day out. So, like, you know, I just feel like with me not being the guy for, you know, like more than that one season that I was, yeah. um, I got a lot more room to grow. Yeah, I feel that way, too. <laughs> and I think that's what an incredible experience. What a great run you got to be a part of and playing big time games, which I think probably prepares you very well for the National Football League. I think so, too. Uh, we were able to play against Georgia. I started in that game my uh, first year at Cincinnati and then, uh, you know, the Notre Dame, Indiana, Alabama, those Houston in the AAC championship. So, yeah. Good seeing Hudson. 
Great seeing Hudson. Yeah. yeah I bet so, yeah. Familiar faces. It's, it's been good for me. That was one of those things when, it, you know, that game against Georgia, he goes down, and that, that's a big deal, you know, with that injury with him. Because one thing we found when you – when you know, unfortunately, when a team like Cincinnati plays a team like that, it's the – it's not the front line guys. It's the over. It's the depth that gets hard to overcome. It's right. the twos, the threes that comes hard. And when a guy like Hudson goes down, it's tough to overcome. It is, and I honestly think we we we, we did for the most part a great job of, yeah. you know, like handling it without Hudson being there. And I feel like if he was there, you know, it'd have been a, it'd have been a, a big difference too. So was he the nastiest offensive lineman you were around? Because I, I remember watching some of his tape when he came out. I mean, he would just like spear people, pancake people, crush them at the end of some of those run blocks. Definitely one of the nastiest. But he seems like a nice around. guy. He is. He's real cool and chill and laid yeah. back <laughs> until you get on the football field. Yeah, no need to go against him. Absolutely. For our uh, for our fans who, for whatever reason, haven't haven't seen you play a whole lot from your time at Cincinnati, how would you describe your game? Um, and, and how do you think it translates to the league? Uh, I think I'm a balanced back. Uh, I got speed, and um, I think at you know, this level, being able to break long runs and um, right. break a few tackles, I think that would be good. And you seem to have, and this is something Luke Fickle said about you, quote, he embodied the humble and hungry culture we have built here. That culture, when you go back to the similarities, that's basically what they want here with the Browns, right? Smart, tough, accountable guys that are about the work, that are humble, that are hungry. Was that something that they talked to you about in this process, that not only are you a player fit for us, but you are a personality and a culture fit for us as well? Yeah, um, pretty much throughout the whole process, like combine, that, <clears throat> that was one of the things they talked about and like business and that kind of stuff. They wanted to, they, they didn't only want to see your, like your play, but they want to see how you fit as a person, how you, how you handled yourself, how you talk how you talk to other people. Did you have a feeling you were gonna be staying in Ohio and coming to the Browns? I did not. I I didn't I didn't think I would go to the Browns. It was a surprise for me honestly. Okay. All right. Well, we're glad you're, we're here. Glad you're here now. Glad yeah, you're here, man, and, and and joining this room. You're you're a Florida guy, right? Yes sir, Tampa, Where'd Florida. You, Tampa, what what high school? Armwood High School. Oh Armwood. Squad. Yes sir. Yeah that's squad program. I was down in Florida for a few years. I, the uh the amount the depth of talent in that state is a stunning Stunning thing. Saban comes into the state. How's he get you out? Uh, he landed a helicopter on a 50-yard line at your high school. Yeah, That's what I he did. That. <laughs> so what, what, like, what? what did he do? It like is this at school or dirt? You know, it's, dirt, it's while school is going on. While school is going on. Yeah. Do you know it's coming or do you just know? I know it's coming. You know the chopper's coming. Yeah. We well, like, I, I didn't. I don't think I knew the chopper was coming until like you knew he was coming. I knew he was coming though. Did you? Was it like, yo? Get as many of your dudes as you can. My guy's out here on a chopper. And uh, that just happens to be the goat out there. No, I was just like more like get all the students that were on the field, off the field. Oh, <laughs> give me room. Make sure nobody's skipping so they don't get hit by a helicopter or something. Yeah. So they, they were running around trying to get that together. And then when he landed it, I was just sitting, just watching like, wow, all of this for me. <laughs> so it was pretty nice. Yeah, that's, that's, amazing. that's, that's a, a great cool way to story, yeah. that's a great way to lock it up there by saying he certainly he did that. But one thing that was crazy, I was reading about your high school. You mentioned that it was a powerhouse. You played with a couple guys who were also heavily recruited, right? Aaron Collins, Brian Sneed. Yes, sir. And so you actually played slot receiver, right? And then now you play. So you go from slot receiver your last year in high school, and you play. You finally get to be a lead back your last year in college, and now you're in the NFL as a running back. But I would imagine that slot receiver time. Gave you some good receiving skills. And when we talked to A.B. about you, we talked to uh, Paul D. Podesta and Kevin Spancy, that's one of the things they noted, that you can be very effective in the pass game. 
right? Uh, pretty much spent my entire senior year. I probably had less than 20 carries senior year of high school. So Here's what's crazy. Dane Brugler knows exactly how many you had. You had 22 carries for 159 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns, yeah. but you had 42 catches for 827 yards, averaging 19.7 a catch, not too shabby, and eight touchdowns as you guys made it to the 2017 Class 6A state championship game. Who beat you? Miami Northwestern. Northwestern. Bulls, Bulls, right? Hold on a second. Northwestern Bulls? Yeah, they should have beat us. All right, hold on a second. There's more. You also lined up on defense in the front seven, notched seven tackles and a pair of sacks. One of them was a strip sack. (laughs) This is unbelievable. (laughs) Should have been a five-star DN. Yeah, you should have. I mean, listen, probably limited sacks. Your percentage of strip sacks is probably pretty high. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good, man. Is it crazy to do that, though, to think about in high school you played running back, slot receiver, defensive end. You go and you, you go through your college, you get the chance to be that running back, and then now here you are in the NFL as a running back in a room with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jernis Johnson, your coach, Stump Mitchell. Like, is that kind of crazy? Yeah, it's definitely surreal, um, something that you dream of, and you're like, man, I can't wait to get to the NFL, and now you're here, and you're kind of starstruck seeing all those guys. Is there a – when you think about your road and the path for it all, and I mean, look, if Nick Saban lands a chopper at your high school field, then you dream of the NFL. Yeah. You think that that's the roadmap, certainly. Um, but but certainly doubt or questioning it probably came into your mind throughout your, your, your journey of all of this. Now to be here, uh, how do you appreciate the fact that this is something that probably started in year five? Right, this dream, like playing football. How long have you been playing? Your whole life, right? Right. And you've been born to this, and here you are in an NFL locker room. Jim Brown's pictures right down the hall. That's a lot going on, man. It is. Um, I took everything that I learned at Alabama. Um, even though it didn't work out for me, I took some of those things. So when I went to Cincinnati, uh, I could use a lot of those things to help me get where I wanted to be, and still like end up where at my end goal. Awesome. And now you're in a division with Najee Harris, so you knew from your time down there in Alabama, so you'll right. get to see him twice a year. When you talk about, you said you have the speed, and I think that's one of the things that everybody's talked about that's kind of jumped out when they put you on. What do you love about kind of this system, and, and how familiar are you with it, kind of that one cut, the zone scheme? I know we do a lot of pulling, and then we do a lot of power and pin pull. We do a lot of different things. It's not just a zone scheme, but how familiar are you with that? I think James said you guys did quite a bit of that. Uh, we, we did counters um, and power plays in Cincinnati. We mostly ran inside zone. Uh-huh. Uh, my first year we did a little bit of outside zone, but <clears throat> uh, I think it's fun to learn a like, new way to run, new concepts, ways to run the ball. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to have fun doing it. Yeah. So have you gotten a chance to, to talk with Nick and Kareem yet? And if so, have they given you any, anything they, yet? They haven't been here, so I haven't really been able to okk. talk to them yet. But when they get here, I'm, I'm probably going to ask a lot week, of questions. Next week, they're going to come back from the Bahamas. <laughs> the oh, rookies, yeah, that's no, right. No rookies. No rookies in the Bahamas. Uh, what do you mean next year? Trip? Next year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Jerome, welcome to the Browns, man. Welcome Thank you. Welcome to Cleveland. Welcome to the Browns. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here. Uh, on the program. Uh, very good stuff and, and continued success. Good yes, to be fun seeing your career grow here. Uh, lots to get to on the program today. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury. Call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. How you doing, buddy, on a first Friday? 
Good. It's always nice to kick things off right away with a player, you know, like kind of get that in the mix and 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 uh, meet these guys. And he was probably he was the last one I think that I haven't talked to. And Michael Woods, the receiver out of Oklahoma, we have not I've not gotten a chance to talk to him, but I've talked to everybody else. I thought you're meeting the rookies tonight. We are, but we're only meeting a handful of the rookies. Okay, meeting so a little disingenuous with the advertising. That's hurtful. You're gonna get Connor get with a K. M, don't get the MTIT in trouble over there. No, we're going to meet tonight. Feels like you should say meeting some of the rookies. Yeah. Because it makes it feel like, to me, like we're going to meet them all. I think if we were being in, if we were all into specificity, we would say we were meeting 55.5555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555555
their nav sent them on some trail, right? Oh. Or whatever. So last yesterday, they go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I get home from doing the show. And I said, well, how'd it go? It was great. But they said, it took us a long time to get home. And I said, interesting. I said, well, what way did you go? And they said they went by a canal. And I said, you went by a canal? And then they drove up like the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And I said, why? I said, well, he said, well, that's where the GPS took us. I no, said, wait man. a second. Your GPS took you from the Rock Hall, not Which 90 is, to 77. I was gonna to say, literally turnpike. on the freeway. It's literally on the freeway. On the freeway. 90, 77, 80, my house. That's yeah. it. That's uh -huh. how you go. That's it. So it clicks. State school, but still some wit about me. They've intentionally it's, avoided freeways. It's possible. I said, let me see your let me see your phone. What are you doing? So I pull up the phone. I said, if you check this, do you do you have the avoid freeways? No they way. both look at me as if I have just now started speaking Greek. Unaware of any sort of ability to avoid certain things. I said, I said, Uncle, where are your? He goes, Well, I don't even. What, what do you mean? What, you know, because now they're trying to. What happened? We don't know. I don't understand. So I click on the thing, you know, where the the icon that looks like a settings. <laughs> click on it. Sure enough, avoid freeways. So I have a buddy whose wife will not drive. Think on the if freeway. I wouldn't have stopped them. But how did they and even that get out sent here? Them. Well, the good part is most of the West they didn't need it for. It wasn't really until they needed it in South Bend that they started using it. They didn't need it. They know the route. They know the way. There's one way. So they knew this that. Is the way. So they started using it in South Bend. But my God, can you imagine if I sent them on their way this morning with an avoid highways driving 2,300 miles back to Montana? They would have showed up next Tuesday. But they had to have put that on. That is not the somebody default did. setting. No, somebody did. Whether it's whether my uncle did or they did. I, somebody he, put it my on. My uncle had said, no idea where the settings was. My dad clearly didn't either. My dad did not even have the, it activated on his maps. Also did not have. Now, all that being said, they were able, between the two of them, to fell a tree yesterday. A rather large tree that I needed to cut down. And I couldn't do just that. Just like me and my father-in-law. Right. But well, they were able to him. do that, mostly him. They were able to do that. But th so I think they probably are winning. It, that that's, feels like a more important skill. No, it doesn't. I guess maybe not in these no, days. No, it doesn't. Age. So you say to me, "All right, you're." Both, but I don't need that. What's more important? You're here, and you have to get to Los Angeles. Okay, you're able to do it easily, or that they can stand in a forest and chop down a tree. Like, I got a lot of trees. I think you're winning by actually being probably able winning. to navigate somewhere yeah, effectively. Yeah. So I can't even fathom how they went. I don't either. He said that they went like through downtown. They made a left on like Broadway. Is there a Broadway downtown? I have no idea. I don't go down okay. there often. And then somehow they ended up like by a canal. Yeah, but that canal would be like under the 480 bridge, right? Yeah. So they I made think it that's out into Independence. Went. Yeah, and then they went along the river. Yeah, north, uh, south. Well, they should have stopped at the movie theater, taken in Doctor Strange. <laughs> I'm right up at my place. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I was thinking to myself, like, all right, like the Rock Hall is right off the freeway. Why don't you just get right back on the freeway? You, you have. It's an effort to not end up on a freeway. Agreed. Yes, you'd have to try not to. Yes, you'd have to try not to. Right. Or have or a Google Maps that drives you around it all. I really think that a huge 
a huge miss was you should have had them take Bootsy everywhere and a camera. Oh. Those two, Bootsy unleashed in Cleveland. Well, the one and a camera. The, a camera what crew what also would you would need one more component, and I'm only leaving Kingsley out just because he would he would not have a whole lot to say in this situation. the The other component would be Black Cobra, who knows how to get to a lot of these places, sure, yelling at them for not going the right way, yes. and them defending it by you by looking at their technology, which is not right, incomplete technology. Yes, that. Plus Bootsy in the back, sold. You're on. Let's do it. I mean, I feel like that is that should be greenlit immediately. I agree. It's really great. It's really so, how great. was the stay overall? It's great. It was great. It was awesome having them. Uh, it was fantastic. It meant a lot to Kingsley that they were here, and um, and and it was great. It was my uncle Soften's dad. Uh huh. So he's you know, like a great helps. running buddy. He's a great running buddy. Brings it down a notch. Okay. You know, really yeah. brings it down a notch. Mellows it out. If, Mellows. It, a very mellowing effect. A relaxing, uh -huh. mellowing, yes. yeah. happy, glazed effect, yes. if you will, uh -huh. at times. Mm -hmm. So that sure. is, that's what I would say was the biggest uh, the biggest help. But it was great. It was great seeing them. Uh, they drove a long way for five days, but it was, it was good seeing them. It was great. And so they're headed back. They're trying to get to Ames, Iowa today. So that's where they're at on that front. Do you have a nice night? Did you do anything cool? Yeah, Miss uh Miss Kay's pops out of town, so we had a took a Jack Hay and uh out to Pony Boys, which is a new place in Chagrin Falls. Quite good. Uh Mexican tacos. So a little taco Tuesday at Pony Boys. It's great. They have a delight oh they had a duck confit tamale. Oh baby. What a bold choice that is. Oh, so good. A duck confit tamale? Yeah, it was great. A little ancho chili sauce. It was great. They had an octopus and chorizo appetizer that was to die for. A little honey habanero margarita. No big oh deal. Oh, my God. They've got a great jackalope as, the, That's as right. the mascot. The jackalope featured prominently throughout the restaurant. I mean, you, ought to be, you have to be able to buy a hat with that jackalope on it, don't I'd you? I'd like to. I'd like a quarter zip with it on it. They also have a, a T-shirt that I'm going to have to come home with next time that says Tacosaurus on it because I'm a Tacosaurus. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea of this jackalope on a hat. Yeah. What about on a quarter zip? Or a quarter zip. Fine. Maybe that'll be the jackalope will fix. Jackalope. Here's what you're doing. <laughs> Black hoodie. Yep. Jackalope. Yep. Cleveland Browns Daily staff. I like that. I like that. That's the show. That's the show. And then we there do this. All day. All no, day. you can't have one. Mm -mm. Sorry. Can't. Wish I could So, help by you. the way, update. Last yeah. night, before I'm getting ready to do this event with uh, – with coach and uh, ab i go down and is this a, a zoom event or in person No, in person we're in person back event. in person yeah. on the event yeah it was great great that's great um i went down and uh and and checked in on our good friend mr melland yeah and he said that many people had told him of you know what had happened on brown state but you know brad is a guy you got to help him with the technology he can a lot like my dad so he's like how do I watch? I want to see this. So I pull up Browns Daily. I get to, I think it's the 16-minute mark. It starts on Monday show. And it's about 10 minutes, our discussion of it. He was loving it. He was in that. He goes, how do I clip this? How I need to send this to everybody? Like, he was so excited. Are you telling me that we spent the better part of seven months wooing him with the Brand Mellon Pursuit of Excellent Award? Yeah. Wooing him and talking of his greatness, and he heard none of it? No, he heard of it. But he himself did not hear the greatness That's right. That's right. with which we speak of his voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. The guy's an absolute legend. Um, 
So we watched it in his office. He's keeping the window open and keeping it queued up because he really wants to show Coach when he the next time he comes <laughs> in there. So when I saw Coach, I said, "Listen, Melon's got you. Got to watch the video we talked about Melon's prank." He goes, "Oh, I heard about it." I'm like, "Oh, you did?" And he goes, "Yeah, it was a good one, huh?" And I said, "Well, it was a good one." But I'm and I, I don't know if he was waiting for me to be like, well, you know, now can we now end, would be a wonderful time for to, me to actually get what get, is deserved, get the hoodie. But I think I think there was like a tension in the air where it was like he knew that I wanted to be like, well, but he was like, don't you dare ask for it because then you can't have it. So I just stayed silent. The games he's playing with that hoodie just are diabolical. It is. Listen. It's a lot going on. It's a sphere of influence. It's you know, he's got the power when you have. Listen, it's about supply and demand. Demand through the roof. Supply controlled by one Let me person. Ask you this. It's a monopoly. Let me ask you this. He's got all the power. He does it. He controls all of it. Let me ask you this. Who do you do you think he came up with the hoodie or did who how did the hoodie come to be? That's a great question. That's a great. Let me I'm going to text Brad. See if we can get him in here. Yeah. See if we can get Brad in here. I'd be very curious to know how the the genesis of the hoodie how it how it came to life. Was this a KS ask or was it something? Because I'd never seen it until Stefanski was hearing it. Well, I, I know the equipment staff had them, but I don't know. We never saw them in them. Like if I would have saw Mellon walking around in that in here, I would have said, wow. what? Right. What right. Did KS craft it for them to thank them? This is a great question and one that we I hope will get answered. This is why I'm here. Anybody who can who talks to Brad, the people who listen to the show, then then tell Brad what we say on it. I've texted him, but I need we all it needs to be a barrage. You need to text him too. We need him in studio. Practice is over, as far as I understand. Is that right, Connor? With the case, practice yes. over. Connor yes, knows. done. Okay. Yes, it is. Right. Fantastic. Oh, was that, Look at that. Was yeah. that Connor with the case first? Sultry. Voice? Sultry. Sorry. What's going on, guys? I, I'm sorry. What was Don't be timid. Don't worry. There. It's just as clunky. That Don't, it's, it's just it's as clunky when Gibbs does. Don't it. you think there should be an uh, just like a light, the button that you soft push that says on off cough? Of this is a race. We got our guy following us around. Our shadow here. He knows. He knows. Yeah. I mean, you tell me. Can you hear this? Yeah, I can hear you. See, he can hear I that. Can hear that. I no, mean, it's supposed to be silent. It's not supposed to be obvious. Nathan, I have to cough. And then I'm gonna go like this. Yeah. No. That's not how it works. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's not what you want. Mm -mm. But Gibbe designed it, and he loves it. What's he, he doing he loves today? It. What's he doing today on a day like today? A little chilly. Hopefully, he got to no golf sun. in the morning. He was hoping to golf in the morning. He's moving in for birthday. the. Uh, he's moving in for the art show. By the way, I'm told that they're actually, and I'm not kidding right now when I say this. Can you ask me? There a may be consequences for his actions yesterday. What part? Oh, for the food? Yeah. Oh God, really? <laughs> I think so. Oh man, really? <laughs> I think so. There should be consequences for him printing everything in landscape. I don't know why he believes Why is that he doing it? I don't know. what. I, Do you know how hard this is to navigate? It's impossible. It's impossible to navigate. So he gives us, folks, he gives us these, this printout. We have Seth Walder coming up later. He gives us a printout in landscape print. Nobody uses landscape. Nobody. Do you know Nobody. how hard this is to get through? No, they don't even like landscape for photos anymore. You try to take a picture of your lady friend for the gram. You know what she's going to say? Get it up and down. No, <laughs> no landscape. It. You said it. That's right. I did. I don't even know what to make of this. I can't even comprehend. Connor, it's true. Am I wrong? 
You are not wrong. Not Why wrong. do they want it up and down? Forever they want it horizontal. It's the frame of Instagram better. Like you can't. It's it's a hard move from social media. Social that's, media. Yeah, that's that's right. the end of the world, man. Think about that. Social media is telling human beings how to take photos. They still want. They don't want vertical video, though, right? They still want horizontal video, or do they want vertical video? Connor with a K. It depends on the situation. For Instagram stories, for Snapchat stories, or any Snapchat, all vertical. For all what? vertical, dude. I'm telling for, you. Like you're viewing pleasure. We of, are living in a vertical world. It's all horizontal. I anytime my wife does for anything with the kids pleasure for yourself yeah, yeah you oh, want it horizontal yeah. it's of better yeah, of course, course it's better it's a, of the picture yeah of course this isn't hard yeah it's the world man outrageous absolutely outrageous uh I suppose we'll talk about some football coming up next you'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friends, the Bath Authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams. They can do it for you in about a day. You can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath that'll feel like a spa. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. They have the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in America. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding again in about a day. Acrylic tubs that insulate and keep the heat in. If you need a tub to shower conversion, they are on it. Superior products with expert installers. It is thebathauthority.com. Give them a call right now for 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. The number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. Again, 500 bucks, 216-220-8399. They will take care of you. Tell them that Bo sent you on that one, my friend. I just saw this from Awful Announcing. Dan Orlovsky sticking with ESPN despite Fox's pursuit. He will replace Brian Greasy in the number two NFL booth with Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick. Which Good for is Dan. a limited booth. Very limited schedule, right? Just a couple two of... Two games, probably? Yeah. And then, well, in the future, they've announced now that there will be multiple... Monday night football games like a handful of times going forward. So maybe that will help him there. I love Dan. I think he's great. Uh, I, I remember having him back on the show before he had even started to do much when he was really just doing his YouTube videos, and he's parlayed that into a very good career for himself, and he's des- he earned it. Uh, he deserves it, and he's great. We Yeah, I, I, had, I had played with two guys who knew – or I'd done radio with two guys who knew him, and, and Bobby Carpenter and then James. They both knew him from – his time in the pros. And so I remember just watching his YouTube stuff and going, he's killing this. Yeah, he was great. Just re- you know, he just had a presence to him that has been obvious ever since. And he was able, stars rising. able to explain the game in a way that's easily digestible. And you're getting great information from him when he does it. So, yeah, very happy for him. I'm curious, though, like where do you go there, right? If you're Dan Orlovsky, and, and I believe what I'm about to say is you true. You want upward mobility. Right. And now you could say, well, Troy Aikman's at ESPN, so does he have any upward mobility there? Maybe not, um, but I'm guessing ESPN, because of the variety of programs that he would be able to participate in, is probably able to compensate him better, and he's going to be able to do more. Like, if he goes to Fox and he's just the number two, right, which is probably best-case scenario, but eventually your best-case scenario is number three because Brady's going to be one, Greg Olson, it feels like, is going to be two. What else is he doing for Fox? 
here's what he had. This is the tricky thing, and I've seen a lot of guys try to navigate this. Um, ESP, you, you're discovered by ESPN, and then everybody wants you, right? I mean, we, this happens across the board. Um, and usually the, market, the, the networks that want you are going to compensate you more richly than ESPN is going to compensate you. That's the general rule of thumb in the biz. And they're going to have you – you're going to work less and make more. That's the way that it works when you – usually. If, you're, if you have a star – and at the, at the right time, you jump off of ESPN and go to one of the networks, yep. you will make more and work less. Yes. The tricky thing is you have to make damn sure you land the plane yep. at the new place. And you have to make sure that they've got your back and your development. Because otherwise, you can be evaporated in a blink. Just completely disappear. Gone. So yeah. that's the thing that's really tricky. So my guess is what Dan Wade at this point in his career is – it's probably better for me now to be on ESPN, to be on NFL Live, to pop on with Greeny in the morning and, and have some fun there and still do some NFL and maybe make less work more. Yep. He's from Connecticut, so that a lot of yep. people that bothers, having to live in Connecticut bothers Not him. him. Not bothering him. Um, versus going to, as you just put it, you go to Fox, you do NFL, maybe you do a little college too, but you end up down on a pecking order. And the reality is that he's probably never going to be on a number one team, no matter how good he is. I don't think that's in the cards, probably, considering who's getting one gigs now and the right. amount of money that those people get. You have to have the playing resume, it feels like, to be able to get one of those jobs. So I think he made a pretty smart decision. So, yes, I do think that he made a pretty smart decision. And I think the opportunity, you know, maybe if ESPN gets two playoff games on a wild yeah. card weekend or something, he gets an opportunity to do one of them. Um. So I think your talent can overcome, right? But there probably, to your point, is there is some level of a ceiling. For example, you know, Charles Davis doesn't necessarily have right. the playing resume, but he is just great, and he and Ian Eagle have moved their way up, and he's now, you know, number two at CBS behind Nance and Romo. Would that team ever be number one? No. No. But I mean – Nance can't do it forever, although he will because he's great. But I yeah. mean, at some point, like there will need to be. They'll they'll have eventually. to find the next guy, right? At some point, yeah, but not anytime soon. And I do think one thing with Charles is it's probably the perfect storm in that not only is he really good, but he also was got paired with another guy who's excellent in Iron Eagle, and so the two of them. But yeah, they're at their ceiling, he's the which is a great ceiling. And he's the nicest dude, the nicest guy ever. Ever, he and always me, has been. Out of nowhere, sent me the nicest text to congratulate. I, I am not at all surprised. Like, like that reputation is twenty years old. He's been that good of a dude for twenty yeah, years. So that's incredible. Not human. surprising in any way. Um, but yeah, like they're at their ceiling. Like Charles is never going to ascend to the number one chair. I don't think at CBS because of the what how that job has changed. Sure. In a way, Collinsworth's lucky he got in when he did because he was a good NFL player, but he wasn't a great NFL player. Um, but he's really pretty, good at it. Yeah. And so his timing was good. I mean, he was, he was pretty darn good. He's a pretty good player. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it, I think when you think of the 80s Bengals, I don't know that he's the first guy that comes to mind. You think of Munoz. You think of Boomer. Sure. You think of Icky Woods. You know, Tim Crumrai. You think of those guys. I don't know. How far do you go down before you think of Chris Collinsworth? Kenny know. Anderson. Here, let's look, let's look, look him up. Shorter career than I would have thought. Played from 81 to 88. Three-time Pro Bowler. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. He had 4,000-yard seasons. He had another season with 989 yards. So was he on either of the Super Bowl playing teams? The first one? Oh, yeah. Both. Well, 89 was the last one. 
right? Would that have been? Would that have been? Hold on, let me look. That's that's John Taylor, or no? That's the beatdown. It's in eighty. 88 though right it wasn't the 88 season 88 season yeah so that, so that was his, his last, last year okay yeah. so his first year and so his both of his first and last year he played in two yeah in the nine pretty good yeah pretty good yeah but i think now what that job is is you are kissing kissing baby shaking hands you're think- the face of network so you you would need to be a romo look at him romo man uh manning has been coveted forever brady like you need to have. I that wonder what Brady's going to be like. You're totally right. But what's interesting to me about it is, let's take a guy like our guy, the Hoff, for example, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer, is as good at his position. He's phenomenal on. He was hilarious last night when he was redecorating uh, there in his room. He's phenomenal on TV. Yep. He feels like he's somebody. He has the playing cachet, right? He's got the personality, the presence, all yep. of it. That he could be a number one guy someday. For sure. For sure. He yeah. But he also did the studio stuff. And sometimes you get pigeonholed. It's like, well, he's a studio guy. Sure. You know? And I don't know what's the better gig. Would you rather be Strahan or Howie Long? Or would you rather be Phil Sims and Romo all these years? Just recently, the game crew money got bigger. Sure. To the point where it's out really, really big. But for the longest point, it was probably negligible. The difference between what Bradshaw made and what Aikman made. It's probably similar. And it was probably a better gig to be the studio guy. Didn't have to travel. I would think. Yeah, for sure. It's an yeah, a, I think hour-long show. Look at him. Hour-long show that is completely researched for you, scripted out for you. There's seven out for people. You. <laughs> how, many, how much speaking time do you have? I was say, your requirements are very little. You will Jeez. get to make very well, thoroughly researched points that are provided to you. Correct. And you have your own knowledge of the game. But, I mean, they can. that is a very easy gig for them. That's probably now you need to have the natural charisma and all of that, but it's probably as much of a mail it in job as there is if you could, if you wanted it to be. Yeah, you know if you had the natural talent. But in terms of you're not having to do a whole lot of homework on that. Watch the that's league, what I'm saying. The nuance will be provided. Well, because they're and they're not even getting into the details, right? I mean, you're going through the whole ga- slate of games on on. I'm talking about like CBS. That's an hour long shot. Correct. One hour. The Fox one hour. One hour. They have hits, remote hits. Yeah. for all of their games. Yep. So that takes up commercials. If you're doing four or five segments, one segment at least is all just hits. Men commercials. Beer, James Brown throwing to hits, throwing to people. You have commercials probably take up. My guess is they do 41 of the 60 minutes. So they do 41 minutes of content. Sure. Probably eight of it is live hits at the venue. So now sure. you're talking about a 30. Half yeah, half hour of content. And then I'm they not, do the half times. Right. And split amongst seven guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a good gig. Four minutes and 30 seconds a guy. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a very, very good gig. But I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy for Dan that he's sticking. I think it's a good fit. I think probably the best fit is for him to stay right where he is at ESPN. I think that's the best use of his talents. Absolutely. You know, um, what do you uh, what do you make of uh, of what Good Morning Football is going to do here? Tell me. K is out. I knew that. Yep. No replacement. Still no replacement for Nate. Permanent. Okay. Half of that staff needs to be replaced. Schrager's information guy. Kyle is the engine. That's there, but they got they got two two big time hires that need to be made before next season, and that is a show that I think is significantly a bigger deal in the NFL than it is outside of it. Clearly, yes. In terms of in the buildings, so who do you think they, they have? Jane Slater, I saw, has done a show. Has Colleen Wolf done any yet? I haven't seen. I haven't seen. It's going to be interesting. I mean, and, and has Kay announced what she's doing yet? 
She is not. She is not. There was all a lot of Amazon. rumors about Thursday Night Football yep. or, with uh-huh. Amazon, but I have not seen. I imagine that would be one hell of a gig. Oh yeah, I you would know, think so. One day a week. Yeah, and Herbie money. Quite Marshawn well Lynch that. is on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this just happened in the last ten seconds. Yellowstone season five premiering November thirteenth on the Paramount Network. November thirteenth. Somebody tell Drew. He's gonna be very excited. He's gonna be very excited. We played the Dolphins that day. Can, can I? That weekend. Nightmare. <laughs> just. Okay, can I say something right now? Yeah, please. We don't need that then. No. Save it for, give me like February, debut, no. middle very of February. Difficult. Yeah, February 12th. Perfect. Sold. Yep, we don't need it then. And on a Sunday? Are they going to go yeah. one a week? Yeah, they go weekly. So it'll drop Sunday at 9. Give me one a week starting the Sunday after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl ends. Guess what? Here's Yellowstone. Here's Yellowstone. Sunday. Sundays it. aren't dead. Yeah. I don't mind you. You know what that man right there did for Jay. me? Jay. Yeah. He got your face. He got Look my at him. face. Look Yesterday, at that, that guy did. did How great is it? Let me so ask great. you, do you feel compelled? So we have here, and it's also at the games, and everybody who you know, has tickets should sign up for it, facial recognition software that allows you to access in this case, our building with your face, or in the case of First Energy Stadium with your face, you can get right through the lines. Think about how fast it is. You look at it, it's like, yeah, it's you. Here's your tickets. Boom. Goodbye. I feel, and I don't know if you do, but I feel compelled when I go to that facial recognition thing to give it like a little blue steel. I have to give it or a magnum. I can't just, Today I don't just look at day. it. I kind of give it like a, yeah. you know. No, I, yeah, I think you want to leave an impression. Right. It wasn't like. No, it was, no like, it, was uh, a, it was a gaze, a loving gaze. I do you give I it have. anything, Connor, or do you just go in there normal? Like, I, I, I'm i being serious. Like, I have to go and I go like, yeah. I give it a little look. No, I just give, make eye contact with the camera. You know, that intimate moment between you and technology. Yeah. Um, that's that's all I do, man. And that's it. The, the blue steel, though, that's that's definitely a zero yeah. move. Oh, I, I mean, got to. I mean, I've got to give it the blue steel. Well, you've got, you just want it to, like, you know, heaven forbid you give it like a normal face and it's just like, I don't even recognize you like that. How hurtful would that be? That's so true. I got to give it like a do blue you steel smile, though. Is it only the blue steel or do you, you know, one? No, I never smile. It's more like it's, I try to give it like, you know, a, little smolder, smolder. like a little smolder. Yeah, a little smolder. If I'm feeling good, you know, I'll give it a little smile, you know, wake up in the morning. I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling, feeling energized, you know, just are you doing nice... the cold shower? Chase Winovich. Is that there why you're go, so energized? Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you doing Did the you Chase Winovich too now? Cold shower. Is that why you're so energized? No, I. I, I should try it, but I mean. So you go yeah. warm shower, then the last minute you go cold. Just cold. It doesn't have to be freezing. Just cold okay. until the voices in your head start talking to you, and then you leave and you feel energized. You Listen to I'll them. I'll try though. it tomorrow morning. I'll let you know. How I that, said how I was going to, but I keep forgetting. Okay. Really? That's fair. I, I keep can't, forgetting. I, I have to do it now every shower. I have to. I love it. I'm not even kidding. I, I love it. And apparently it shocks the you're system. selling it to me. My buddy Beatbox, a.k.a. Haterbox, has told me there's actual science that supports that this is, it's good for your body. Well, science. Is the so, kid doing it? I don't know what the kid's doing. That. That's what I want to know. I feel like he I wins at everything. I don't do cold showers. See, he wins at everything. I don't think. I think he'd win at showers I'm gonna ask too. Him. We'll ask. We'll get. We'll ask the kid what he thinks. Get about Get some this. verification on. He that. might like it because it was it, it, the idea is a is man. from a Michigan man, right? And yeah, he, he, is, like he himself okay. is a Michigan man. He is, in, in fact. Yeah. Uh, all right, Seth Walder coming up next. ESPN. Uh, he did NFL season projections, win loss records, playoff Super Bowl chances from the Football Power Index. He joins us coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
A lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The myths can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. And now heading out on the hotline for visit with our good buddy Seth Waller, ESPN Sports Analytics expert. His ESPN Football Power Index out now at ESPN.com. That doesn't sound. I feel like we're getting an echo. We good? Seth, you there? I'm here. I'm here. How okay, we have Seth. Okay, very good. Do we have, does it, are you hearing this, Z? Yes. Yes. You're hearing us too? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll sort well, those things well, out. We're big bees. We're going to battle through it. Seth, let's go through this. Let's start here. Before we get into where we are in all of it, give the folks out there what this, how you come up with it, what goes into it, the process behind it. Yeah, sure. And this is, this has changed. We have a new process this year. So happy to talk about that. Football Power Index, the idea is to predictively rank team strength for all 32 teams in the NFL and then use that to form the basis of projections where we simulate out the season, you know, 10,000 times and determine the probabilities of each team, you know, winning their division, winning the Super Bowl, average number of wins. The, the, in the preseason, the way this works is we use a variety of factors to determine how good each team is. So we look at past performance by that, you know, by that team. Uh, we look at the individual players that are that are on that team. We use several different rating systems there to assess the quality of their non-quarterbacks. We have a specific quarterback predictive model. So we're looking at their past uh, expected points added per play, uh, and we're using that to determine how good we think that they are uh, altogether. And then there's a little bit of a, a coach factor if you're maintaining. Uh, your coach or, or, you know, going through a coaching change, that can affect things too. So put that all together, and that is what gives us these these strength ratings. And then as we go through the season, it updates. Every week is, you know, new piece of information. How did you play? Did you beat expectations? Who did you play against? And, and how efficient were you? And that's how the ratings and projections move throughout the year. All right, Seth, let's start with the Browns. What do you see for the Browns here in 2022? So we have the Browns as the 10th best team. And I want to talk about their rating because uh, it's obviously a unique situation. I think we have yep. – uh, no one knows exactly what – we're talking about a quarterback, and that drives, drives up so much of how good we think a team is. So of let me tell you how the, model, how the model sees it, and then you know we can adjust how we think. It gives the Browns a full season of Deshaun Watson. Um, and it puts them at 10th in doing so. However, I will say this. One of the things that goes into our predictive quarterback model, uh, it looks at is if you didn't play last season, it assumes that something has gone very poorly for you. Either you have been hurt all year or you were not good enough to get on the field. Now, Deshaun Watson is in a kind of different category, right? And sure. he still has you know, 22 civil lawsuits, you know, of women accusing him of inappropriate sexual conduct during massages, and that may, that might affect his suspension. Uh, and so we're assuming a sort of like depressed level of Deshaun Watson's skill, but for um, but for a full a full season. I'm not going to say 17 games because anyone can get hurt. So what's what's the truth? I don't you know I don't. It's hard to know. Maybe a better Watson, but fewer games played. Uh, might and get you to roughly the same conclusion. But that is how we come to that number. That's sort of the way the model is handling that situation. 
And we have the other thing that we're dealing with here, and I'm curious how you guys dealt with it. My um, guess is you leave them off, but we, it feels like Jadavian Clowney will be back here at some point. There's been a lot of whispers of Indominus Sue. And to that end, there's still a lot of, of, of pretty big name free agents that are out there. How do you deal with that? Do you just look at it as this is the roster as the one that stands right now for the Browns? Yeah, this is the roster. And I'll say that even extends to one where I think pretty clearly someone that won't be on the team. I mean, Baker Mayfield is right now the second-best quarterback on Cleveland, and so it sees Baker Mayfield as the backup quarterback. And as you progress through the season, the likelihood of injury increases, and so you have a hot weight is given to that backup quarterback. Um, so that is one area where probably it's a small factor, maybe slightly overweighting Cleveland because of that. I, I uh, Yeah, but to your question, no, anyone not on the roster is not going to be considered, even if it's like, oh, they're likely coming back or – uh, like a clowny, which would help. Um, no, uh, that we don't assume that anyone will be there. When you take, so you have the Browns as the 10th best team. When you go and look at now the model, you play it out, where do the Browns finish in terms of record and how does that rank amongst the league? So uh, they're obviously in a very competitive division. We put them at 9.6 wins uh, on average, a sort of mean outcome. And we give them the best chance to win the division, 35%. Okay. So it's a, it's a, they're a, a very narrow favorite. It makes sense. I mean, look, I think Cleveland, you look at the rest of the roster, and there's obviously obviously a lot of pieces to like. I mean, I think you know that offensive line will support whoever is that quarterback. You have some stars on, on defense. So it, it's easy to see, I think, why Cleveland got strength. It's just so, so much depends on the quarterback. But, yes, yeah, 35% chance to win the division, a very narrow favorite over Baltimore and Cincinnati with, with Pittsburgh way back there. Um, and then we're looking at a 57% chance to make the playoffs overall. You know, as I'm going like through this, yeah, so do I. A lot of fascinating stuff here, Seth. One of the things that, that's jumping out to me is, um, the you know, when you do the projected wins, and, and one of the things we've talked about is it feels like for Nathan and I's perspective, we cannot recall a time where the conferences were so disproportionately slanted in one direction, the AFC seemingly so much stronger and deeper than the NFC. Um, and that is reflected in a lot of these rankings in terms of the NFC teams with win totals and that. The bottom of the NFC is a lot bigger than the bottom of the AFC. Um, did that play out the, the way that we kind of think it would in, in, in your index? So I share that perspective with you guys, but I, I feel like now to be less, have a, a less of a disparity than I thought it would. Like we have, if you think, like our top five teams are Buffalo, Green Bay, the Rams, Chiefs, Bucks. I mean, that's three NFC teams. And we have Dallas at six, so that's four of the top six are in the NFC, which, which kind of shocked me. Now, I think there's a lot of teams that you can make cases for that could really jump up. The Chargers, the Colts, the Browns, the Broncos, the Ravens, like all those teams, it's not that – the Bengals, they were in the Super Bowl last year. I didn't even mention them. It's not that hard for them to, I think, to imagine those teams jumping up into an elite sphere. But I think it's actually a little more – especially with Brady coming back. I think that, that did shift things, shift things a bit. Um, I think it's a little more balanced than I originally anticipated it would be. 
That's interesting because you feel like the number of legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, as we've talked about, are higher. But and we've gone through so many power rankings, Bo, that we and we've seen much more of a a bunching than we thought we would, where we feel like the AFC is is the stronger conference. That being said, who is somebody that you think in your model right now, maybe in the NFC or in the AFC, that you like a lot better than the perception, and and, and conversely, a team that you think is much worse than the perception seems to be right now. Okay, let me start with the second part. San Francisco okay. in the NFC as being a team that we think is much worse than the perception. Okay. Now I'm gonna give now I'm gonna give a caveat here. This is we're working under an assumption that Trey Lance is the starter. And I don't think Got that's it. like a terrible a terrible assumption because of everything that San Francisco did to acquire him. So let's just I, I understand it's not set in stone. Let's just hold that for a second though. From the model's perspective, and I think this is backed up. I just talked about what it means when you don't play and how the model anticipates that. So you think about someone like Trey Lance, he comes in as a rookie. Most rookies, do, even in the first round, most rookie quarterbacks do not pan out to be good players. The majority just don't. And so it knows that overall. So it's going to assume, on average, that quarterback is not going to work out. There's upside there, and we do increase the variance. It means there's higher sure. upside. But on average, it's probably not a good player then that player does not see the field for most of most of last season. And so it's only going to nudge Trey Lance down farther. And so it looks at that and it says, well, better. Like, offer Trey Lance. Like, Lance has a higher ceiling. But on average, if, guessing, if, I, had to, if I had to guess which player will be better next year, it would say, I think, Jared Goff. If I had to guess which player would be better next year, Carson Wentz or Trey Lance, who would you choose? Carson Wentz. Those are not like great quarterbacks, but on average, it's it's saying like based on the data that it thinks that Lance won't be that good. So there are other good players on the 49ers, and I'm not disputing that. But when you're taught when you're starting from that standpoint from a quarterback, it's really hard. So we have them really low. I think Dallas is the team that we're higher on than most. We have them at six. Okay. Um, last year. You know, this one's a little bit – I'll say this. I think there's a decent counter here, which is to say part of this is the defense, which did play well last season. And you could say it was turnover-driven last year, and that might have been fluky. And I think that is kind of fair. But they, Dallas was a sneaky, efficient team last year. Like, I mean, through the regular season last year, efficiency, which is just our, like, expected points added per play, adjusted for garbage time metric. I mean, Dallas was second. Um, and so uh, that was – to me, that was kind of remarkable when, when we think about the numbers um, last season and, and, and which teams played well. Dallas played pretty well last year. Um, and so it looks at that and says, yeah, you lost Amari Cooper. That doesn't, that doesn't help. It's assuming a healthy Michael Gallup. Uh, but Dallas is a team that has shown flashes, and we like a little bit better than everyone else. They also have, you know, they're playing an easy division. So from a projection standpoint, that helps. Yeah, it certainly does. And a team playing in a very, very brutal division uh, is any team that is playing in the NFC, AFC West, rather. And mm -hmm. as I'm looking at this, you guys like the Chargers most. Now, it's by a narrow margin. You like them all. you got you got the Chargers at 9.9. You've got the Broncos at 9.5. And I'm speaking of projected wins. Uh, you got Kansas City at 9.4 and then Vegas at 8.8. .8. Um, 
But what I was surprised by is that the charge that you guys have the Chargers ahead of the other teams, um, especially ahead of Kansas City, despite the loss of Tyreek Hill. Like they've done it over and over. Um, what, and again, it's it's small. These are it's a small yeah. variance. But you have them even better as a Super Bowl team. You have them more likely to make the Super Bowl than the Chiefs by a negligible amount, and the exact same win probability in the Super Bowl as the Chiefs. That surprised me a little bit. Although I love. I love the Chargers. I love their roster. It just feels like maybe a year too soon for me. Okay, so that part didn't surprise me, but you know what did surprise me is that we gave the Broncos a 1% better chance to win the AFC West than the Chiefs, and that floored me, right? Like I was thinking, well, hang on a second here, because we think the Chiefs are still pretty good without Tyreek Hill, but it comes down to schedule. I mean, if you look at the teams that everyone has to play – uh, the Chiefs have a brutal stretch. And if you go for the three yeah. opponents, you know, each team has three opponents that their division mates don't play, right? And the Chiefs three are the Bucks, Bills, and Bengals. I mean, <laughs> how rough is yep. that? And, you, and the Broncos get the Falcons, Dolphins, Browns, and the Broncos get Panthers, Jets, Ravens. So uh, there's a huge gap there. And, you know, we know that these divisions have come down to a game or two, and that can really swing it. So I think it's when we – being like, like you said, it's really narrow, the difference yeah. here between these teams. But when it comes to why the model just edged those, edged the Chargers ahead in Super Bowl chance, just edged the Broncos ahead in chance to win the division, uh, it's because of that schedule. When you went through this, and, and I don't know if you were able to isolate, but we've talked about looking obviously with the Broncos, it's Russell Wilson is the factor. Devontae Adams goes from the Packers to the Raiders. Tyreek Hill goes to the Dolphins. Uh, Deshaun Watson obviously comes to the Browns. Who was the biggest needle mover, maybe in a positive way? And then and, and from a non-quarterback perspective, who was the biggest needle mover, maybe in a negative way that hurt its its former team the most? Ooh, that's a great question. So I think in the biggest needle mover in a positive way, like, it has to be Russell Wilson. Um, we're talking about just a huge upgrade yep. from Drew Locke to, to Wilson. I I can't see how that's not. Um, <laughs> right. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna vamp while I try and guess here. I, I don't have a I don't know like a specific perfect way to do this, but I think the answer is going to be Adams. That yeah. you know, if we're talking about non quarterback movement. Sure. Uh, because the other fact is, like it's, it's, you said, also like hurting their team, right? And so the Packers, I mean, when with like what's left there in Green Bay at wide receiver, and wide receiver probably being the most likely non, most important non-quarterback position. I mean, to leave a group with Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Christian Watson uh, down from Devontae Adams at wide receiver one, like that's just yeah. a huge drop off. Um, and there's a lot to like about Green Bay. I think, you know, we're still at two there, and I think part of that's because you're getting – they were really good last year without Bakhtiari and without Jair Alexander, without Elton Jenkins for a long time, and they're getting those guys back. So there's reason to be optimistic about Green Bay, but I think that was – I mean, there's no question that was, that was really costly to, to their offense. Seth, we love this conversation yeah, with great. you every year and love the insight you provide. Thanks for your time today, pal. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. All right, that's Seth Walder, ESPN Sports Analytics expert. Uh, Aditi Kinkabala coming up here in about 12 minutes from now. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Well, you're thinking about upgrading your enterprise operating systems but can't afford the downtime and disruption that goes with a major overhaul. Bo here for my friends at EOX Vantage. Data scientists, also business operations experts. Your EOX Vantage team does not take a rip and replace approach to improving your operating systems. Instead, they help you build onto what you already have so you make the best use of your investments, both old and new. So if you're fearing your employees will stress out over your new systems, EOX Vantage works to ensure your people can easily adapt to new workflows at a comfortable pace. You can start out by making easily manageable changes and add on more when the time is right. Read how other business owners have overhauled their systems without overwhelming their people at eoxvantage.com. What is the, I don't even want you to think about this. I want to know your first thought. Longest acceptable distance to drive for a one night stay. A one night road trip. What is the longest distance that you would acceptably drive for a one night road trip? Four hours? Yes! That's right. That is correct. And that's felt high. That's the number. I was curious. But that's the number. Yeah. You not, hit it. No more than that. No more who than that. Who wants you to drive more than that for a one-night stay? Obviously, I know who. Why? <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, no. No one is. I was having this discussion uh, in, re- in respect to my, my dad and uncle driving back to Montana and all that they're doing. And I was thinking about what is the difference between what is a road trip that's an acceptable distance. And I, and I said, uh, for one night... Because what they did was was crazy and, yeah, was, and, and all that. But yes. I mean, but for a night, four hours is the number. That's the max. And like, that means you're up at eight, on the road at eight. So you get there by noon so that you yeah. can have the day. Then you have the night. You wake up the next day. You can have at least lunch, whatever, and then decide when you're going to leave. And you're meet probably going to want to leave. About four. No later. Than, God, of course I was going to say four. Yeah. No later than four. You're home at eight. That's yeah. what you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. It's how a lot. about on a how about a minimum of a four night stay? Does that open it up a little bit? Are you willing to do eight? Multiple stay, I'm willing to do eight. Yeah. We did when we went for our anniversary, we went to North Carolina, which was eight, and we had three one, two, three nights, I want to say. Yeah. Kids in the mix, I still feel like I need even more time yeah. to justify the eight. Yeah. Eight was fine because we got in, we got up in the morning, left, got in there in the early afternoon, we're able to have a nice dinner the first night. And we had two full days there, and then we did some – I think we had lunch and then came home on the last day. Right, yeah. So that's doable. Four is the correct but answer. eight's a long way to go. It really eight's is. Eight's a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. I know people that will try to drive, like, to South Carolina from here. For a day? No, 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 no. For, like, spring break. Or they'll drive for, like, in the summer for, like, a vacation. Okay. Or they'll drive down there, and they have kids. Yeah. And to me, I just feel like that's impossible. That, I, that to me with the kids, eight seems – I mean, I drove back from Newark, which wasn't pure joy. No. And that was eight and a half yeah. uh, with traffic. Um, but I wouldn't do that for leisure. No. I did that out of necessity. No. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, that's right on the you. edge of it. 100%. Right, four. We'll ask Aditi what her answer is on an acceptable date for a one-day road trip. Yeah, and she does a lot of them. She does a lot of them. Yeah. I also think on a day and back, two hours is the – that's it. Day in, in same like day? Same day? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can drive to Columbus and come back here in a day, and it's fine. It's but not that's, great. It, it ain't great, but, but it's, it's fine. doable. Yes. It's fine. Agreed. But anything more. Absolutely. Like, if somebody said, oh, you got to go to Dayton and back. Nope. No. Nope. Not doing it. Yeah. Same. Tickets for all Cleveland Browns games are on sale now. For more information, visit clevelandbrowns.com. And Edie Kinkabala coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Well, this feels good to say, out on the hotline, Browns Media contributor Aditi Kikabala joining us on the hotline. That sounds pretty good to us, Aditi. Thank you so much for your time. Before we get into all the football stuff, I, I do have to ask you a non-football question. Nathan and I were having a discussion. What is the longest acceptable drive for a one-day road trip? so funny that you're talking about that because in on Pittsburgh radio they were just having that conversation yesterday. come on um do you mean like a one-off like my parents are dropping me four hours away to Cornell and then driving home four hours after or do you mean on a daily basis of- no 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 one-off you're you take maybe you and the kids were dry it's four hours whatever the number would be six five three maybe it's one whatever how long in the car is acceptable for a one-off, one-day road trip? Not a commute. That's a different conversation. Okay, I think you can all acknowledge. There's a totally different answer if there are kids in the car or they're not kids in the car. Because yeah, that's also car, correct. It's like 30 minutes each way. That's right. <laughs> that's correct answer. If there are not kids in the car, what could I do? Well, I've regularly, the last few years, done Pittsburgh to Cleveland, which is 2.15, 2 2.5 in one day. So 2.5 in the morning, cover the Browns all day, and then 2.5 back. That's probably... It's reasonable. I haven't right. done the Bills, yeah. I haven't done the Bills in a day. The Bills are three plus, and I've never done Cincinnati in one day, which is five each way. Yeah, no. So... What if there were a resort? What if What if there's a resort on the other end of it? And, and you get a one-night stay, one stay in the resort. And one-night stay in the resort. they're going to so pamper you. one-night stay in the resort. Yes. Well, then you need to make sure there's enough hours left in the day to enjoy the resort. So you don't want to Bingo. drive more than six, do you? Yeah. No, we, we said, said four. four. Four was our limit. Oh, That's really? the most I would drive. Yeah. yeah. On one night stay. Yeah. Um, we that. Yeah, yeah I it. think if it's only one night, then that seems fairly reasonable. Although we, oh, my parents are in New Jersey, and we do six. We'll do six on a Friday and then six back on a Sunday. Two nights two stay nights, though. Two, two nights, nights stay that gives you, I, I I can get behind that. You at least have one full day. Yeah. So are I you guys saying that I'm a better road warrior than you are? That I have Fact. A perhaps perhaps we are. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. Although I will say I did do in the COVID season, I did Baltimore and back same day for the game. So I got right. up at I think four in the morning, drove to Baltimore, did the game, was not one that I enjoyed being at. We got Stephen, how far how far is that drive? Like five and a half, and then from here I did, and I did Cincinnati that same season, same day, which was four-ish. Yeah, yeah. That, Baltimore. That was the very you... no. Well, if you yeah, remember, Aditi, that was our season opener. So much out of you. Oh, I was yeah. at that game, that Browns and Ravens season opener. I was there. Oh yeah. Can't Me, you. Yeah, you know who was there? Me, you, a couple of our camera guys, and like the ten-piece Ravens band that was having a field day, and I was not enjoying their their score that they were providing to the action in front of me. Oh my gosh! But what a statement on the Browns that year, turning things around after that opener. That's right. That was. Um, so right? let's let's get into this. This is so great. So I, we introduced Browns media contributor. You're doing you're doing yeah, some you stuff do- with us. This is exciting. What what are you doing? And 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 oh, welcome aboard. Yeah, well, thank you. That popped up 
I guess on the website at some point this weekend, and somebody found it, and uh, I saw Nathan get peppered with questions, and my Twitter certainly exploded. Yes. And I don't, you know, um, there may be some announcements in the future, but there are no major announcements right now. I'm just hoping Nathan will let me ride on his coattails for a little while. He'll oh, pull me please. along as a little intern. If Nathan will let me be his intern, <laughs> maybe I'll keep that title right there well yeah it's a very nice title and and indeed if i have anything to do with it of course you're going to keep that and then as you said i don't know if there were some scores dropped for the people right there but as we say on the show pay attention to the scores and maybe major announcements coming i feel like those were some scores there but there we go you know what there has always been a special affinity on my end for the way that the browns do media and every NFL team has its own internal media shop. But the Browns really do have a very good commitment to providing as much information to their fans as they can. Um, there's always been a lot of creativity. I especially think about certain videos that were put out that there's not there's a fearlessness, there's a willingness to live a little bit on the edge. And oh, yes. I also feel that Browns media, Nathan, is – as fair as you can expect an in-house media team to be. You know, there are some teams where you just sort of feel like you're getting the propaganda and that's it. And there are others that you feel like, okay, you're getting a little bit, you know, you're getting a real window into what's happening. And so I am extremely grateful and excited that the Browns are saying, hey, come and do a few things with us. Yeah, we're we're excited, too, and I know it started Brown's Countdown on the night of the draft. You were here uh, at uh, the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea talking with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, and and hopefully, as we said, we'll see more of that. And now your debut... You did make them laugh, which was, which is, by the way, no small feat with those two. That is something you should, you can put that right on the resume. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is, that's not easy. That's not easily accomplished. But you also did that, and then you went and, and dropped this Cade York article for us on clevelandbrowns.com, which I just tweeted out for everybody to check out. And I think that's where people saw you and the contributor right under your name. Everybody got very excited about that. But what what kind of stood out to you about Cade? I'm actually going to talk to him tonight on the Browns Live Meet the Rookie special. What stood out to you about Cade and doing this research and, and getting to learn more about the Browns kicker? It was how relaxed he was. It was how fun he was. And I think that for quite some time, kickers have kind of carried this. You know, you remember it was several years ago. I I think it was Rich Eisen who said it first. Hey, punters are people too. Or maybe it was Pat McAfee who said it. But the specialists have always kind of seemed on their own. And a lot of it has to do because in practice, the punter and the kicker and the long snapper are sort of doing their own thing and they're on their own field. And in recent years, you've seen kickers really feel specialists and kickers specifically feel more part of a team, more engaged. You know, it's Evan McPherson standing right next to Joe Burrow saying, well, I guess I'm going to have to kick us into the AFC title game, you know, and it was that comfort with himself. He told really funny stories. He told me a funny story about his dad taking him to an ACDC concert and how that led to his parents having a fight. He's like, I'm pretty sure that my dad had to sleep on the couch for a few weeks. I thought that was hysterical. You know, he let his guard down. I gave him a chance to talk some trash about Evan McPherson because, of course, in that Bond game where he kicked that 57-yard field goal, 
and won the game for LSU, but Evan McPherson did have a chance to kick and tie the game. And his, I believe it was a 51-yarder, McPherson's kick fell short. So I said, you know, I gave Kate a chance to talk a little trash, and he just refused. He was a, probably the only kick Evan McPherson ever missed in his life. And he's like, and I'm sure that he would trade that miss for all the big kicks he made in the NFL. And I just thought that it was like, okay, this is a guy that has a lot of confidence, who's really smart, who's going to be easy to get along with, who understands what it means to be a teammate. I mean, he was a star soccer player. And who also is not going to sit and get, like, wrapped up in a big ego in any way. So, I don't know. I just I like his demeanor. I like how he said that he wants to spend the, as much of the summer up here as he possibly can and be kicking at First Energy Stadium. Cool kid. I mean, he's just a real cool customer. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he kind of checks the – all the boxes on, on the things that you want out of a kicker, we think, and optimistic that it all all works out. Um, just big picture, and you spent a lot of your career, obviously, covering this part of the NFL and the AFC North, and have a very good handle on it. Um, in terms of what happened this offseason in this division and how tight it is top to bottom, and I, I think most people would acknowledge it. It feels like Pittsburgh, from a talent standpoint, is, is, it, is at the bottom of the four. Um, and yet, they're the Steelers, and they don't have losing records ever. ever. And so this is kind of the spot you're in, and I'm wondering if you can recall the division ever being like this from top to bottom, the way that it appears to be heading into next season. No, and you know what? I think that that's sort of the magic of this, guys. Is this going to be a division that has three teams in the playoffs, or is this going to be a division that just beats each other up so badly and it ends up so black and blue that there's only one one team limping out of it? And the thing that I would say about the Steelers is I was actually just talking to a member of the coaching staff about rookie meeting camp, and he said that Kenny Pickett's demeanor was more – now, I fully expect, I'll say this right now, I expect Mitch Trubisky to start the season. Having said that, Okay. They were very, the coach that I spoke to was very impressed with Kenny Pickett's demeanor, and not only that, she said that he feels really strongly about what George Pickens and Calvin Austin can be. Now, they're rookies. We haven't seen them do it on this stage. We don't know what that actually means, but we all saw what Jamar Chase did as a rookie a year ago, so I'm not going to completely diminish the possibility that a rookie-wide receiver can come out and just completely blow people away. So now the Steelers did indeed improve their offensive line, something that the Ravens needed to do and did and something that the Bengals needed to do and did. The Steelers did indeed improve their offensive line. We saw what Najee Harris did with no offensive line a year ago and with a quarterback that couldn't run any sort of the play-action pass game in any way. Now you've got a more athletic quarterback, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett. You are going to see more of the play-action pass game. You are seeing a better line and you potentially have more explosive talent at wide receiver and this defense by the way was a very very good defense that couldn't stop the run but in a lot of ways couldn't stop the run because there was no Tyson Alualu there was no Stefan Tewitt and Hope both of those guys are back and there's yep. an upgraded inside linebacker as well so I wouldn't write them I mean it's impossible to write them off because even when Mike Tomlin has to start Duck Hodges he's almost making the playoffs there's something about them that they always compete, but I wouldn't necessarily sit here and say they're at the bottom, talent-wise. Now, the Bengals, I mean, the Bengals get denigrated every which way. They just went to the Super Bowl, and they're returning yep. every single coach, and they're returning everybody. And Joe Burrow is going to be better this year than he was a year ago because that knee is better, and he's got more confidence. So hard to disagree with them. The Browns, I mean, the Browns, I feel like, have had the most talent top to bottom for a few years now. 
And now you've got, again, but with the Browns, the big question is availability. Sure. How available is your quarterback? And how much does the offense change from QB1 to QB2? I think maybe you don't run as much gun stuff, but other than that, you know, the offense should still be pretty dynamic, even if it's Jacoby Brissett. But it's a big yep. difference if it's Jacoby Brissett, Nathan Rice, for like of course. four games, or is it Jacoby Brissett for eight games? And that's what that I think that's the question that a lot of people are waiting on. That's as you mentioned, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. We just had Seth Walder on from ESPN doing their analytics, and he said, you know, our projections are based on 16 games or 17 games now of Deshaun Watson, but we don't know what that is ultimately going to be and how that plays out for the Browns. But as we saw, the schedule is at least favorable in the early going. The toughest game, obviously, will be that Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then things absolutely ramp up for the Browns starting in Week 5. Uh, and speaking of that schedule, Didier, are there any games on that one that you that jumped out to you as, okay, this is going to be a, a big-time one or, or one that you're very excited for? You know, that's, that's so hard for me at this point of the season. And I, and I always say this, right, because even you've had a rookie minicamp, what do we really – I just – told you what a Steelers coach told me, but what do we really know? I mean, this is sure. and short. And we don't know who's healthy yet, and we don't know where the runs are, and so, like, we don't know who's going to be on what run, who's going to overachieve, who's going to underachieve, because in the NFL, and that's the magic of the NFL, it happens every year. Somebody is better than you expected, and somebody is of worse course. than you expected. So for me, it's those division games, because I do, yep. I, I mean, I, I'm as biased as they come. I think this is the best division in all of football. We didn't even talk about the Ravens. But, I mean, yeah. you've got a former MVP playing for a contract ostensibly, you know, and, and Lamar Jackson right there. I don't know. I just – you think about that magical game that the Browns and the Ravens had that COVID year. Not the game one, Nathan, but the later in the season one when poor Lamar Jackson had to run to the bathroom or had cramps or whatever. Monday night, been. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those games just all have – something special to them. Raven Steelers, they're like basketball games. No matter what happens in the first three quarters, it always gets decided in the last five minutes. Browns and Steelers has gotten angrier and nastier. Bengals and Browns, as good as the Bengals were a year ago, they couldn't beat the Browns, you know? And so all of that, seeing that, those are the games that you circle. Because there's a different energy from the fans, too. And I think that what the fans bring to the stadium Absolutely. We're going to get two of those in primetime. Perhaps all three home games will be in primetime. We don't know when the game against the Ravens late in the season. It could be a Saturday where it would be in primetime or it could be on Sunday. But we've got Thursday night against the Steelers, Monday night on Halloween here against the Bengals. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, Aditi, before we let you go, you did mention the Ravens there. What do you think is going on, or what are you hearing is going on with Lamar Jackson? Because it just feels odd to me. I don't know if it is odd. I don't know if anybody else thinks it's odd. Do you think it's odd what's going on with Lamar Jackson, what they're saying about Lamar Jackson? What, what do you know about that situation? Well, he, so there's a few things at play. He doesn't have a formal agent. Right. And he and his mom work very, very closely together. At, but the team can't negotiate with his mom because his mom isn't registered with the NFLPA. And so the team has to talk to the player. And when everybody in the Ravens front office that I've spoken to is that Lamar just doesn't have the urgency right now to get a deal done. I mean, and even Eric DeCosta is on the record having said that. We'll yeah. do it when Lamar wants to do it. But now I have also heard, I'll say on the flip side, that it might behoove the Ravens to not have this done right now. Because
there for quarterbacks right now. And when we talk about availability, I think there have been some questions about Lamar Jackson's availability. Sure. And certainly last year there were. So before the Ravens commit a massive amount of money, why not see what another year brings you? I do think, and this is, I'm taking kind of like a little bit of a left turn here, guys, but I think we're going to see a change in the way quarterback deals are done. And I think that they are ultimately going to have more guaranteed money and be sure. Oh, yeah. Because the, the salaries, the annual, the average per year is skyrocketing so much that if you're willing to bet on yourself, you're better off doing a three-year fully guaranteed deal and then doing another year in three years than committing to 10 years and four years from now finding out that you're just middle of the pack or grossly underpaid. Yeah, very. you're seeing that already. Aditi, good stuff. We appreciate you. Welcome to the team. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And, Nathan, I'm, uh, I hope I won't turn into the annoying little sister. I hope you'll let me tag along a little bit. Anytime, Aditi. Anytime. It literally, anytime. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't literally. do anything. He just, he's always available. He's ready. All right, guys, that's right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Aditi. All right. Still so much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey, be sure to check out Browns Live. Meet the Rookies, presented by Vivid Seeds, hosted by Z, tonight at 7, clevelandbrowns.com, the Browns mobile app, the Browns YouTube channel. Hear from the newest members of the Cleveland Browns roster with exclusive interviews. That's Browns Live, Meet the Rookies, presented by Vivid Seeds, tonight at 7. Uh, What can we look forward to on that program tonight, Z? Yeah, I'm fired up for that. It's going to be me, and we're going to have sit down with some uh, new, never-before-seen interviews. It's going to be some, not kind of the stuff they've been asked a lot before. We're going to try to get to know them as people and their inspirations, their whys. Uh, we'll be joined by Perry Ann Winfrey, uh, David Bell, Cade York, Alex Wright, and MJ Emerson, the uh, cornerback who was the first pick for the Browns in this year's draft. So just kind of fun talking to them a little bit about their rookie minicamp experience, you know, going back a little bit through the draft, but really mostly who they are, what they've thought about Cleveland, what they've thought about the fans, who are their Been here inspirations. Been a couple weeks. Two weeks. In most of the guys. Yeah, yeah. two weeks. A couple weeks here. So that's, that's all yeah. right. So let's look forward to it. That's tonight at 7. Um, by the way, this tells you all you need to know that you know that the PGA Championship this time of year is a fail. You and I did a, a now a two-hour radio show. Yep. It starts tomorrow. That's right. We didn't talk anything about it. No, we mentioned yesterday, we yesterday the one the, grouping, the but yeah, that's... Uh, they blew it, boy. Yeah. They did. They did. I don't like it. I'll, I always think it should be the last one, so they're trying to make now the British or the Open is the final major. They're making golf irrelevant for the casual sports fan by the second week of July. Which is silly because you can still own August. August is still preseason, and that's where it should didn't be. August used to have didn't wasn't Firestone like usually August right around August first, last week of July. Yeah, and then you had the PGA. And then two weeks later it was the PGA. Right. Firestone led into the PGA, much as Muirfield leads into the US Open. The season went from April to August. April to August. Yeah. A to A, man. A to A. What are we doing? I don't now know. I don't like now it. Now it's done. I don't like it. I'm, I don't, I'm not even ready for it. No. It's not in my head that I'm going to be watching. No, we're supposed I to mean, have Father's Day is the second. Yes. That's the U.S. Open. Then you hit the British, and then you, ha- you kind of have the big sprint to the finish. You go from April all the way to June. Fine. No big deal. Fine with it. And then July, you get the, the Open, and then you get the PGA, and then that's where it wraps it up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know why, why they did it. 
don't it's know just what interesting they were trying for the, to do. the PGA Tour's last major of the year is played randomly in, in May. Europe. Well, I'm saying when you go through the four majors, oh, now, the right. final major is actually played across the pond. Right, but also the, the, there was some synergy with it. Almost, it felt like the end of the end of the PGA Tour season with the yeah. PGA Championship. You'd have that. And then Honestly, you could have take, you could have pushed it further if you wanted to. Sure, just to be done before the season starts. Right, absolutely. This is strange, so strange. Uh, Perry and Winfrey is going to be in studio with us. Browns live tonight at seven o'clock. ClevelandBrowns.com, the Browns mobile app, and the Browns YouTube channel. Uh, set your DVRs. That's presented by our good friends at Vivid Seeds tonight at seven. Z will crush that as he does most things. Can't wait. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.